John chapter 1, uh, verse 4 and 5. It says this, in him, uh, meaning Christ, was life. And that life was the light of all mankind. The light shined in the darkness, and the darkness has not overcome it. Lord, we thank you for who you are today. God, we thank you for your word. God, that it is so powerful, God. It's so amazing. And God, there is nothing greater than your word, God. And we thank you, God, that it's the light of our life, God. It is the light of the world. And God, we just pray that uh, you would do a great work in us today. And we just thank you in Jesus' name. Would you say a big amen? Amen. You may be seated today. Well, if you didn't know, the reason why I'm speaking today is because uh, when Pastor called me to offer me the job as the associate here, you know, I had to kind of whittle into the contract that I get to at least preach twice a year. And well, it was the last Sunday of the year, so you know, um, you guys get me. So uh, I'm totally joking about that. Um, If you guys didn't like that joke, uh, I got that material from Mark Weimer, so he's sitting right over here. (laughs) Well, uh, in just four days, uh, it's going to be New Year's, and um, I I love the New Year. It's a lot of fun. Um, Last last year, uh, during the New Year, was the first time I actually had been awake at 12 o'clock because we were doing an all-nighter with a youth ministry, but I hadn't really been awake at the New Year in quite some time, but just the festivities around the New Year, I love them, and and, uh, they're a lot of fun. Well, I'll tell you what, the whole world is actually going to be celebrating in a couple days, and um, I don't know if you know this about me. My name may give it away, but um, uh, I come from Sicily, and um, I don't know much about where I come from, but I'm very proud of it. (laughs) And there's an old Sicilian tradition that uh, says that good luck will come to those who eat lasagna on New Year's Day. I like it already. And woe to you who dine on macaroni or any other noodle that will bring bad luck. And that's how Sicilians uh, celebrate the New Year. And uh, if you uh, come from Spain, here's how you may celebrate the New Year. In Spain, when the clock strikes midnight, the Spanish eat 12 grapes, one with every toll to bring good luck for the 12 months ahead. And if you are from the United States of America, a kiss is shared. Somebody say, hallelujah. Now, the reason why I said shout hallelujah, I just wanted to know which men don't get kissed very often. And uh, (laughs) Brother Rick was really loud during that one. (laughs) Just kidding. A kiss is shared at the stroke of midnight. And uh, it's a, t- tradi- a tradition that during the kiss, a kiss happens at midnight, and the kiss represents purification coming in to a new year, along with something called a New Year's resolution. Anybody ever made one of those before? You know, I think that it's pretty fair um, to say that around the world during this time of the year, um, everybody's looking for something. They, they are... I think I would be safe to say that there's a common desire that everybody is looking for the new year to be better than the old year. Is that, is that a pretty safe assumption? I think that would be pretty true. And uh, traditionally in America where we have New Year's resolutions, I would venture to say that most resolutions are formed around the fact that we just we want to be better. We crave for change. We want a better tomorrow. We think that there's more to this life. There's something inside us that's craving. The word crave simply means a strong desire for something, a need for something, a want for something. Did you know that all of creation, it literally craves for life? Did you know that without this crave for life and the life that's provided from the crave, that plant life and organisms and trees, they they won't, they just simply won't live? 
Did you know that plants crave for sunlight? They crave for water. They crave for oxygen because these are the elements of life that bring these things life. You know, people make resolutions at the start of every year simply because of the crave. I think that it would be pretty fair to say that you and I, no matter how great your life is, there's things in your life that you crave that they would be better. The title of the message today is called The Crave. Somebody say The Crave. Now, if you have not made the connection yet, let me help you out a little bit. Um, when a woman is pregnant, do I need to finish that? Are we, are we good on that? I don't want to get in too much trouble up here. But let me get in a little bit of trouble. I'm just kidding. There's not much that can stop a pregnant woman who's craving. Let's play a guessing game for a minute. I looked up the top craves of pregnant women, and Lord have mercy, I saw things that I'd never seen before. I, 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 just funky things that work together that you put in your belly. It's just strange to me. But the top four craves, anybody, can anybody guess maybe what the top crave is? You shout it out. Pickles, fish, okay. Any pregnant women in the house? Sweets, okay. Wait, let me help you out. Okay. Number one, crave ice. That's just what they say. It might not be your crave. Number two, crave chocolate, sweets. Number three, crave, this one kind of shocked me, spicy food. Um, and number four, crave, brother, brother Ricky said it, pickles. <laughs> I wonder if I've been pregnant a few times in my life because I love pickles. They're, they're amazing. The crave is a powerful, powerful motivator. The crave runs really deep. And there's something about a true crave that some of us won't give up until the crave is fulfilled. I want us to just take a look at a few American resolutions that people make during this time of the year because of a crave inside of them to be better. And maybe instead of saying common resolutions, let's talk about some common craves that people might have. Now, I just want you to know before I read this list... um, this list came from a very credible source called the World Wide Web. So, um, you know, just in case you were wondering, I, this is like legit stuff. I've known a lot of people with these craves and made these resolutions, so I think it's a pretty, these are pretty fair assumptions. Here's what they are. Uh, no particular order. I want to have less alcohol consumption this year. Or maybe we could just say comma addictions. Um, I want to take more trips, more vacations this year. Uh, Number three, I want to save money this year. Number four, I want to get fit this year. (laughs) Everyone chuckles because that's on your list. Number five, I want to overcome some personal and or emotional issues. See, at the surface, all of these things, these are great things to crave for. These are great things for someone to achieve. But why? Why are people craving change during this time of the year? I mean, hey... The mantra is, hey, eat, drink, and be merry. Say, who cares? But I, I, think, I think there's a deeper truth at work here. See, when we peel back the outer shell of these resolutions and we get down to what's really inside, there's a crave. There's a yearning. There's a deep desire to get rid of what's dying inside of them because they crave for life to take its place. But those of you that did not get that the first time I said it, I'm going to say it again. Inside the heart of every New Year's resolution, there's a crave. There's a deep desire inside of you and I to get rid of what's dying in us because we crave for life 
to take its place. Let me break this down to you for a minute, and we'll peel back uh, the cover on these resolutions. Um, This resolution, less alcohol consumption or, or addiction, fill in the blank, whatever your thing is. What's going on here? There is death that is setting inside the heart of this individual. They're beginning to experience a lack of control in their life. Their physical health is slowly deteriorating along with the most important relationships of their life. Their wife, their marriage, their kids, their, their parents, things are breaking down inside their life. Selfishness is settling in, and it's beginning to cloud their judgment and their decision-making. And they are craving for this thing that's causing death inside of them to cease. What is their crave for? Well, hey, their crave is for freedom. Their crave is for health again. Their crave is for restoration back inside of their relationships. You might have a crave just like that coming into this new year. Second resolution, taking more trips and vacations this year. Why? Why would anybody crave for more trips and more vacations? Well, hey, number one, because, hey, they like to have a lot of fun. But here's maybe what's going on inside is that there's that taking place inside of their life. Maybe they're experiencing burnout, stress, work is overtaking them. They've lost their joy. They've forgot to enjoy the journey of life. Maybe life has become all about getting from point A to point B to point C, and they forgot how to just enjoy things. It's all about that next raise or that that next promotion at work. Life has stressed them out. Here's what's really going on inside of them. They're craving for this stress and this thing that's killing the inside of them. They're craving for the rat race to just end because they need a refreshing They need new creativity in their life. They want to enjoy their family time again. They want to get back to enjoying the journey. Resolution number three, I want to save more money this year. Well, why? Because maybe death is setting in in their finances. Maybe retirement is not saved up the way they planned. Maybe there's no savings. Maybe they're unprepared for emergencies and they're being strangled by debt. Did you know that the financial experts say that you will experience a financial emergency every 10 to 12 years? So you got to be prepared for it. It could be, it could be a medical emergency. It could be the loss of a job. It could, be, uh, it could be a major accident. We never know. We pray these things never happen, but it's just the fact that they do. And we've got to be prepared. Maybe some of you today need to take a tithe challenge for 2015. Begin to start tithing again. Maybe if you've never done it or you've just slowed down on it, maybe that's something you need to start adding to your life. Why? Why would anybody want to do that? Because they're craving for financial peace. They're craving for real security. They're craving for security for the future. Can I tell you that nothing will provide security for you like biblical tithing? There's nothing that will provide the security that you need from being a, a, a systematic giver for God. Let me tell you something. My wife and I, we were both uh, tithers before we got married. And uh, when we got married, it wasn't even a discussion of whether we were going to tithe or whether we were going to not tithe. But can I tell you something? Have my wife and I experienced hard times financially? Absolutely. We've experienced times where we watch our savings go from doing okay all the way down to nothing. And then that checking account all the way down to nothing. We've experienced that. Credit cards maxed out. We've been there. I know what it's like to feel stressed out by finances. But can I tell you something? God has always provided. Every single time. Every time we thought we were at the end of the road, God showed up. And you know what? There was wonderful blessings along the way. And you know what? There was miraculous blessings 
along the way. But here's what I know. There's a crave inside of people. Man, it's so funny what, what money stress can do to people. It could totally whack out their life. And some of you sitting in here today, you know exactly what I'm talking about. And when you're talking about money, there's a death that's coming inside of some people because they're just strangled by finances. Getting fit and losing weight. Okay, before I get into this one, I know, I know. You're probably looking at me going, dude, what do you know about getting fit and losing weight? But but see, here's the deal. This is not my list. That's the good thing about this list. It's not mine. I didn't come up with them. I'm not bashing anybody. I mean, we all know the truth is that me soaking wet, I'm like a buck 72, okay? But when I put this jacket on and I put my extra heavy shoes on, I'm about 175. So, you know, you want to step up to this, you know, you want to be careful. Um, but see, here, here's, here's the thing. I have a hard time talking about this, this point of getting fit and losing weight because I, I've, I've never dieted in my life. I, I'm sorry. I'm probably not getting a lot of fans out there right now. But I just haven't. But, but here's what's happening. Here's what I know. Here's what I've heard. <laughs> The reason why people want to get fit and because the reason why they want to lose weight is because difficult eating habits, out of shape, leads to insecurity, leads to all kinds of emotional issues, leads to physical issues. I've got a good friend of mine who decided to just take charge of his life, and and he was struggling with diabetes, early stage diabetes, and he decided, I'm going to get healthy. And you know what happened? That death that was being that was taking over his life on the inside began to disappear because he started taking care of his life. People are craving for physical health. People are craving for longer life. People are craving for security. It's amazing. And believe it or not, I have lifted weights before and I have done the push-up thing. You know what? I feel so much better about myself when I'm taking care of myself physically. It might not be dieting for me, but physical exercise is something that it is for me. And I do do that. And you know, I always feel so much better when I'm going that route. And finally, five, overcoming emotional issues. Why would anybody want to overcome emotional issues? Why? Because they crave for something new in their life. Why? Because the death inside of them, the shame, the loss of identity, the regret, the depression, the unforgiveness, those things that are eating them up on the inside, they can't stand it anymore. Have you been there before? I have. And they're craving for life. They're craving for this bitterness just to go away. They're craving for freedom. They're craving for redemption. They're craving for a new identity in Jesus. If you're a lot like me, you've got a crave inside of you. Not a crave for uh, resolution, but a, a crave for new life inside of you. There's a crave in us, a crave to get rid of what's dying, and a crave for new life to take its place. That's what's really going on in the new year, why everybody wants a new resolution, because we're dying inside. We want something new. And I need to give you an answer today. I think you know what that answer is. When you came in on on the back of your notes, there's about four or five lines at the very, very bottom. And if while I've been talking to you, you've been thinking of some things that, that you're craving to die in you because you're craving life, take a minute while, I, while we're talking today and Maybe you want to write some of those things down if they're, like, super personal. Because, hey, man, when you talk about addictions, that's deep. When you, when you talk about physical health for some people, it's deep. Because some of the things that we're talking about today, folks have been trying their whole life to overcome these things. Their whole life. And it's tough to talk about. Maybe you're a little embarrassed to write down, you know, what, what's really going on in you. That's okay. Write in code. 
You know, maybe like instead of I need to stop drinking so much alcohol or stop sniffing this, maybe I just need, maybe you say, I'm going to stop drinking so much Kool-Aid this year. I don't know, and maybe if you can't stop looking at the secretary, maybe you need to say, I, I need to stop eating so much cake this year. Just like whatever for you that you need to write down in there, code, whatever. I need to make it light because here's the deal. This is heavy stuff because some people have been battling these things their entire life and they can't seem to shake them. Why? Because there's a craving us. Isn't that crazy? The whole world during this time of year, they're craving something. We know what it is. They're craving for new life in them. They want the bad addictions and the relationships to be healed, and the negative self-image. They want these things gone, but what's really happening is they're craving for life. John said in 1010, the enemy has come to steal, kill, and destroy and that's what's going on. That's, that's the work, the death that's going on in everybody. His plan is to steal, kill, and destroy. But Jesus said, I have come that you can have what? Life and life to the fullest. Don't you love that? I love that he's the answer to every single one of the things that you and I crave. It may be refreshing. We crave for creativity, quality time with our family, financial freedom, physical, uh, physical health, emotional health, relational health, redemption, whatever it is. He's the answer because he's the one who brings life. Well, let's get down to a couple nitty-gritties. How do I fulfill the crave in 2015? How are these things going to die inside of me? How am I going to see this new life, Sean, that you're talking about take place inside of my life? I wrote down um, about four things that, that, um, that I... That, these are just kind of habits in my life, things that, things that I try to apply uh, every day, every year, every season as I'm working through my salvation just like you. And I like to say this all the time. Some of you sitting out there might think sometimes that the pastors have like these superhero, pas- uh, superhero powers to serve Jesus, but we don't. We're just like you. We're human. We have the same struggles that you have. We, we need Jesus just as bad as you G- need Jesus. There's not anybody out here that is sitting here going, I need Jesus way more. No, you don't. Way more than that pastor. Does. No, you don't. We all need Jesus desperately bad. We're in desperate need for him. So here's some things that I, that I try to make sure that I do. Number one, how are you going to fulfill the crave in 2015? Identify the area of death that's taking place in you. Romans 8.13 says, for if you live by its dictates, meaning sins in the flesh, you will sin. But if through the power of the Spirit, you put to death the deeds of your sinful nature, and you will live. This is a really interesting scripture. With the help of who? The Holy Spirit, the Helper, the Counselor. Who's going to put these things to death? You. The deeds of your sinful nature. The Old Testament has said it this way, that when God put man in the garden, God commanded him and gave him dominion. He gave him authority over all crawling and all living things. God wanted mankind to take dominion over things. He wanted him to manage. He wanted him to care for things. In the New Testament, in Luke 10, 19, Jesus said, I've given who? You, all authority to trample on snakes, scorpions, and to overcome the power of the enemy. Nothing will harm you. And Jesus even took it a little bit further in John 14, 12. He said this. He said, whoever believes in me will do the works that I have been doing. They will do even greater things than these because I'm going to the Father in heaven. What's the point? 
The point is that Jesus placed you in charge. The point is that Jesus has given you authority. Jesus has given power to you through the power of the Holy Spirit to take authority over your life. That's what he said in his word. So who's supposed to manage? Who's supposed to care? Who's supposed to be concerned about the areas of death in your life? Your neighbor, your friend, your mommy, your daddy? No. Who? You and I. We're supposed to to take note of those things. And you know what every good manager knows? He knows how to, what to keep, and he knows what to throw out. He knows who to hire, and he knows who to fire. Some of you need to just take authority over your life and list out those things that are causing death in you, and you need to throw some things out. You got to identify what needs to go in your life. We can't just skate along and come to church and and just feel good in the services. We, we got to get to work on some of this stuff. And we got to get practical. And we got to identify some of these things. How are we going to fulfill the crave in 2015? If you're anything like me, you're going to need to step up big time this year and identify the areas of death. Write it down. You got to make a plan, which leads us to number two. Intentionally make measurable goals. Let's say that again. Intentionally make measurable goals. Jeremiah 29, 11. This is a favorite. For I know the plans I have for you, declares the Lord. Plans that prosper you and not harm you. Plans to give you a hope and a future. Listen, man, it, this stuff didn't happen by accident. Jesus had a plan. God had a plan with you and I. He had a plan with this earth, and he intentionally set things out exactly the way that he wanted them to be set out. Listen, God has a plan for you and I, and that plan is that neither one of us would perish, but that all of us would come to repentance. God has desires for you and I. Why don't we be like our Heavenly Father? Let's plan some stuff out. Let's set some things out. Let's make some measurable goals for our life. Let's not just have a pipe dream. I've been there before, early on in my faith, just super excited about everything, just, just worshiping at every moment, jumping up and down at every moment, but not making any forward motion in my life. But listen, as I begin to take God's word for his word and become to, come to follow his word and do what he said, I started to realize, man, I, I, I got to get a little intentional with this stuff. I got to get intentional with my faith, and I got to set some things out. I can't just walk around with a pipe dream. I got to put a plan together, and I got to work that plan. I got to put checks and balances in my life. I got to put accountability in my life, and not only when I do that, I got to listen to that accountability, and not just listen, but actually step up and do what some of this accountability is telling me to do. Author Oren of a a book that I'm reading right now called uh, Resolve, incredible book, um, he has something that he calls the PDCA method of working towards a goal. It's really simple. You must plan, you must do, you must check, and you must adjust. Super simple plan. It is something you could do on a daily basis, on a weekly basis, on a monthly basis, as you're making intentional, measurable goals. This is how you figure out if you're reaching the goal or not. You've got to put your plan together, and then you've got to simply do, and then you've got to check up on that plan. The checkup part is a really hard part. That's where you and I sometimes we get in trouble because on the checkup part, we figure out what our progress is and we go back to that accountability partner and, and we know that one guy that's always going to tell you, oh, you, oh, you're doing good. It's okay, man. It's, it's all good. And then you got that other friend that's like, yo, man, you're missing the mark. This is where you're supposed to be right here, but you're missing it. But you don't go to that guy. We won't go to the guy who's going to be like, it's okay. Everything's going to be okay. It's all good, man. I believe in you, brother. Oh, God bless you. Let's just pray right now. But we got to plan. we got to do. we got to check. Listen, when we check, here's the tough part. 
got to take responsibility for the results that we're having in our life. Listen, I know, listen, I know, life has been really hard on some people, and I get that. And we can all sit around the table, and, and some stories would just blow, blow your mind, and they're heartbreaking. But we all got stories that we could share of how difficult things were we were when we were growing up, or when we first got married, or, or some of the horrible things that we've gone through. And, but he, 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 here's the tough thing. As we mature in Jesus, the longer in our walk with Christ that we just sit around and just still tell those same old stories— we're not getting anywhere. And, and you know what begins to happen? Here's what happens. The longer you tell those stories, that's when you tell the story and you go, and so that's why I am, and that's why I struggle with, and that's why I, and, and, and it just, it never gets us anywhere. It, it doesn't. The problem with doing this is because oftentimes when we get to see and, and, we're, and we're, we're looking at the checkpoint and we don't like what we see, so when we sit around and we tell those stories and we make excuses, we begin to cast the blame for the results we're getting in our life right now on everybody else. That's the temptation when we do that. We just start casting the blame everywhere. And when we get to that checkpoint in our life, it's tough to look at reality for some of us. It's tough to look at what's really going on. But, but here's the challenge, or, or here's the, cha- the difficult part is, the blame, it's the easy way of casting off responsibility that we're getting because of the results we're getting in our life. It's easy to cast blame because, hey, if it's not my fault, then it's their fault, and, and I don't have to be accountable for anything. See, anytime we look at the results of our life through this filter and we blame other people for the lack of our achievement or we blame other people or we blame uh, uh, poor training, the reason why I'm not successful at my job is because poor training, they don't change their employees or I got really lazy teammates so we're not going to be able to succeed or, or my spouse is unsupportive so that's why I can't succeed in my business or the, the economy is going bad, that's why I'm not succeeding. Maybe some of these things may be true but the longer we sit around and we share these stories and we blame these other things, we get power to them for our current success. And what happens is we surrender success in our life to everybody else. And all of a sudden, we're never going to succeed until they succeed and they succeed and they do well and they do well and they say, I'm sorry, and they come to me and they they do that. We're never going to get anywhere when we do that. And I don't know about you, but I don't want to wait for others to change. I don't want to wait for other people to fulfill the crave that's in my life. I want to stay, bl- stop blaming my mom and my dad and the things that they walked through for my current situations. And, and I would be willing to bet that you would think the same thing. Because at the end of the day, there's a crave for you and I. A crave. And if we're going to fulfill the crave in 2015, we got to identify the area of death. we got to make intentional, measurable goals. Let me say, let me say this. Um, I remember not too long ago, I'm sure every young married couple gets to this place where they, they go, man, we're not dating much anymore. We get a kid, and now all of a sudden we get busy, and, and babysitters, it's just, it's just a hassle, and you let life go by. Well, here's what I mean about a, an intentional, measurable goal. So I made a goal a while back. I said, I'm going to start dating my wife. And I, I did A, I planned. I'm going to date. This is great. I, I, I dreamed it up. I'm going to date. And, and then I got to the do step, and I, I wasn't super practical about the do step. I was like, okay, well, one day we'll do it, and I'm we're going we're to start dating. And we went on one date. We went on a date, and it was great. But I didn't plan the next date after that. And then, like, a lot of time went by before we went on the next date. And then a lot of time went by before we went on the next one with a group of friends the other night. And all of a sudden, I'm looking back, and I'm like, man, 
four months, and we only went on like three dates in like four months. Man, that's like kind of that's kind of embarrassing. I'm not doing very good at that. I can't blame everybody. I, I just got I got to look at the check. So as I check and I look at this thing, I got to go. Okay, that's a measurable goal. I realize that I missed the mark. So now I got to step up and I got to work hard. And now I just got to adjust and I got to make this thing happen. Get real practical. Number three, make prayer regular. Listen. The Bible says in Philippians 4, 6, and, and we read it before we pray every week in our services, don't be anxious about anything. But in every situation, by prayer and pension, with thanksgiving, present your request to God. Pastor Mike, a long time ago, said this. I think I was back at Harvest Time. I heard him say this. He said, work like it depends on you and pray like it depends on God. You know, you and I, we need the help of the Holy Spirit in our life. Every single day. And that life that you're craving is not going to come by making a New Year's resolution, but it's going to come by you just getting down to it, by you spending time with the Lord, because that thing that you're craving is, is, is not this other stuff. You're craving life, and that life only comes through Jesus. Make prayer regular. Come on, like regular, like not like once a week, right? Make, just, just make it regular. Just get some time in. Like I'm not talking like, like go from zero to an hour a day. There's going to be days that you miss. I miss days. I miss days. There's some times where I squeeze in 10 minutes. Come on, I got, I got to be honest with you. There's times where I, I squeeze in 10 minutes because I'm missing it. But you know what? Prayer is, is, is all about your life. Prayer is all about you constantly laying every circumstance, every situation before Jesus, everything in your life before him so that he could breathe life into what's going on in you. And then that crave that's inside of you for something new in the new year, that, that change that you're craving begins to take place. It begins to take shape. And it begins to actually uh, take effect inside of you because we're craving life. Look, prayer keeps you in check like nothing else. I'm telling you, prayer is the greatest accountability. Jesus is the greatest accountability partner you could ever have. Because when you're off your rails, you know it the minute you step into your prayer time. When you're not where you need to be and you're missing the mark, he, he tells you the perfect way. He is so gentle with you, yet so firm. You know what's up. You know where you're at. And you know where you need to be. Is that not true? We got to crave. And the only way we're going to fulfill that crave is by identifying the areas of death in us, intentionally making measurable goals, and making prayer regular. And this is my next favorite part. Number four, nourish yourself with life. Nourish yourself with life. John 1, 4 says this, The Word gave life to everything that was created, and His life brought light to everyone. I'm going to read this in, a, in a, uh, a different translation. In him, meaning Christ, he was life. He was the source. He was the elements. He was everything that we needed to live. <laughs> and it was that life in us. It was the light, the powerful force that drove out the darkness. Verse 5 says, that light shines in the darkness, and the darkness has not overcome. Man, when... When we nourish ourselves with the word of God daily, that life is just poured into you. Like all this stuff that you're craving, the, these New Year's resolutions and, and the, the, the stuff that you're truly craving inside, you're craving life. And there's nothing like the word of God being poured right into you that will fulfill that crave. I promise you, I, I guarantee you, the Bible says in Psalms 1, 2 through 3, 
Blessed is the one whose delight is in the law of the Lord, who meditates on his law, the word of God, day and night. That person is like a tree planted by streams of water, which yields its fruits in season, and whose leaves do not wither. Whatever they do prospers. Listen, nourish yourself with the word of God. Nourish yourself with the word of God. You're craving life walking into 2015. You got this laundry list of resolutions that you're trying to handle. And these things you're trying to overcome this year. Man, get down with it. Get down with God's word. Let that word just be poured into your life. The Bible says in Matthew that his word is the bread of life. I can remember early on in my faith when, when, I, when I first started serving God, I remember coming across that scripture. And I was like, wow, it's the bread of life. So in other words, without this, I'm not going to have life, right? Yeah, I figured that out. It's kind of amazing, huh? Wow. So I need the word of God inside me if I want to have life? Absolutely. So you know what that meant? That meant there was times where I was reading and I didn't get it. That meant that there was times where I was reading and I didn't understand. That meant that there was times where I was reading and I was thinking, eh, I've read this before, scan it through it. And at the end of my prayer time, I was kind of wondering, did I get anything out of this? But I held on to that truth that said that his word is the bread of life. So I knew that every time my eyes went across every single word, it was like word. The life was just being poured in me and poured in me and poured in me and poured in me. And it wasn't about how I felt. It wasn't about how I was understanding or comprehending. I was just letting the word be poured into my life. That's how you fulfill the crave in 2015. The worship team can come up as I get ready to close. Here's the deal. I want you to grab your paper. If you wrote some stuff down, I want you to just take a quick look at those things. We're going to fulfill the crave in 2015. We just got to get with it. We just got to get practical with it. We got to just get intentional. We got we to mark out those things that are causing death in us. And we got to be intentional about how we're going to overcome. We got to be intentional about how we're going to be praying this year. We got to be intentional about how we're going to nourish ourselves through God's word this year. So here's the big question for you What is causing death in you right now? What's causing death in you? Can I tell you that if you have never given your heart to Jesus ever before, can I tell you that New Year's resolutions won't fulfill the crave that you have right now? And there's, sometimes emotion gets worked up in these moments, and, and you're like, yeah, I'm going to make these resolutions, and yeah, yeah. But those things will never fulfill the true crave that's inside of you and the true, true crave that is going all around the world during this time of the year with everyone wanting to get better. The only thing that will fulfill the crave is life this death that you're experiencing in you. Jesus is the only thing. <laughs> He's the only true life that will fulfill that craving. You, you want to change habits. You, you, you want to do things new. Here's the first thing. Don't make a resolution. <laughs> Here's the first thing you need to do. Let's get right with Jesus. The first thing to do is to invite the life inside of your heart and inside of you. You know, the Bible says that the wages of sin is death. Simply what that means is that you and I, we get paid when we sin. And that payment is death. And that's what's kind of going on inside of you. And the only way to get rid of that death is by putting life inside of you. And Jesus is the greatest life in the world. And whether your debt is small or whether your debt is great, it doesn't matter. Sin is the great equalizer when it comes to humanity. And the only person that can fix that is Jesus. 
I want you to bow your heads and close your eyes today. If you've never accepted Jesus in your heart today, the only way to fix this thing, this stuff that's dying in you, is by accepting him as your personal Lord and Savior. See, the payment for our sin, your sin and mine, is death. And it's not just physical death here on earth, but it's actually an eternal death. And the only way to resolve this is by giving your heart to Jesus and inviting him inside of you today. If you have never accepted Jesus in your life today, and and maybe you've made resolutions, and and you're thinking these are the things that are going to get things back in order, and, and, and they'll be a part of it, sure, I understand that. But Jesus is going to be the thing that's going to just resolve most of your issues and this eternal death issue. If you're in this place today and you say, Sean, I've never given my heart to Jesus. Or maybe you say, I've been away from God for a really long time and I want to recommit my life to him. I want you to raise your hand right now, signifying that you want to accept Jesus in your heart for the first time or come back to him. Would you raise your hand now? You say, I want Jesus in my heart. I need him in my life. I've been away for a long time and I need to welcome him in and get rid of the death inside of me because I'm craving new life. Is there anybody in here today, anybody who needs to accept Jesus in their hearts? Well, finally, number two, it looks like we've got a lot of believers in the house. If there is anything that's causing death in you, and you're craving for the life of Jesus to come inside of you and help resolve this place in your life, would you stand on your feet right now all across this room? Stand on your feet right now. I want Jesus to come and resolve this area inside of me. Come on, all over this place. I know there's a ton of people. There's a ton of people. Come on, keep standing. They're everywhere. All right. Keep standing, keep standing, keep standing. You got some things in your life that you need to fix, and he's the only way. Here's what we're going to do at this time. I'm going to invite everybody to come to the altar. We're going to close the service with one last song. There's one thing that's so powerful about the altar. I want to invite you now. Come on, come now. There's one thing that's so powerful about the altar. The altar just represents a place of surrender. The altar is a place where you and I can renew our commitments to Jesus. The altar is a place where we can get vulnerable with God. And the way I kind of look at it, uh, I, I look at pastor as, as the spiritual head of this church, and I also look at him as like a spiritual coach. You know, every good coach pulls a team together, and they huddle up together, and they get on one purpose together, and they get on one destination together, and there's just something powerful and something magical that happens and something supernatural that happens when we get all around the altar together. So come on, come on, come on. I'm going to pray, and when I say amen, the worship team is going to sing, and we're going to end with one last song. God, I thank you for who you are. God, I know that in this place, God, there are many people, God, that are experiencing some death in some areas of their life, God. And that sounds like such a heavy word, but honestly, the truth is, it is heavy, God. And we know that the only person that can bring us this true life that we desire is you. It's you, God, that can bring the true life that we desire inside of us. It's the only thing that can get rid of the darkness. It's the only thing that can solve the death that's inside of us. God, and so today at this altar, God, we surrender those things to you in Jesus' name. Amen.